Welcome to Capital Link's company presentation series. Today, I am Nicolas Bornozis, president of Capital Link, and I would like to welcome you to the 2024 Capital Link's corporate presentation series. In this series, company management highlights the company's current operations, business development, growth prospects, and sector outlook. We have with us today the senior management team of Dorian LPG, Mr. John Likouris, CEO of Dorian LPG USA LLC, and Mr. Ted Young, the Chief Financial Officer. Dorian LPG is a liquefied petroleum gas shipping company and the leading owner and operator of modern, very large gas carriers. Its fleet currently consists of 25 modern uh, such carriers, including four dual fuel LPG vessels. And Dorian LPG has offices in Stanford, Connecticut in the US, Copenhagen, Denmark, and Athens, Greece. The company is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol LPG. Now, in terms of logistics, uh, we will begin with a company presentation followed by a Q&A. Please note that participants can submit their questions through the Q&A button on your screen during the webinar. Your questions will be answered during the Q&A session. Also, uh, you can uh, email your questions at webinars at capitalink.com. Before we begin our webinar, kindly note that this discussion is strictly for informational and educational purposes and should not be relied upon. And the webinar does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities or investment advice or advice of any kind and capital bears no responsibility for the content. And now let's begin our discussion. I would like to pass the floor over to, uh, to uh, John and Ted. Uh, thank you, Nicholas. Thank uh, you, Nicholas. Good morning. Good morning. We're uh, pleased to be here. Um, so uh, quickly, the uh, normal SEC health warning. Um, we will make some forward-looking statements here, so uh, please uh, note the cautionary statements here. Uh, so I'm Ted Young, Chief Financial Officer. This is John Lacouris, uh, CEO of Dorian LPG USA. Uh, Nicholas already gave us a, a nice introduction, but I will... Uh, quickly pick out a few highlights. Uh, in addition to uh, having a fleet of 25 vessels, uh, we also jointly own and operate the Helios pool, uh, which uh, in which our partner is MOL Energia, which is a subsidiary of, uh, of MOL, the, the large Japanese uh, player. Uh, they have an operation in Singapore and uh, it gives us a virtual presence there. Uh, they have. They then, as a result, have a virtual presence in Copenhagen, where we do our post-fixture operations, and uh, it gives us quite a strong commercial presence and one we think for, that we've benefited from over the years. Uh, Nicholas touched on the composition of our fleet. Uh, not only uh, do we have uh, four dual-fuel VLGCs in our fleet, three of which are time-chartered in, one of which is our own that we took delivery of in March of 23, um, we, uh, we also have scrubbers uh, on a number of our ships, 15, uh, which has generated some fuel savings uh, for us, and it's been quite a profitable investment for us. John may touch on that a bit more uh, in his remarks as, as we go in, uh, into, the, into the presentation. Um, our average fleet age is, uh, is still quite young compared to the global fleet. 
which for those of you who are shipping investors know is, is a pretty important metric. Um, stepping back, uh, I know we have a mix of participants on the call today. So we thought we'd just give a, a quick primer refresher on LPG. Uh, LPG is obviously distinct from LNG. Uh, LPG is uh, a byproduct. No one has ever produced uh, a metric ton of LPG on purpose. It's, uh, it comes about from the gas processing or the refining process. It's split out through a fractionation process and it's sold uh, in its component parts. Uh, predominantly propane and butane are the main parts of the natural gas liquid stream, uh, but there are some other smaller components. But for the purposes of today, uh, we're focused on propane and butane, and they're effectively interchangeable for the purposes of our business. What is it used for? Uh, it is uh, significantly, uh, it's, it's used in heating and cooking for both residential and commercial settings. And uh, about just about 50% of world consumption goes into heating and cooking, which we think is pretty important because it establishes some very stable base user demand, uh, regardless of the economic climate. Uh, obviously, no matter uh, what the economic environment is, you need to be warm and you need to eat. Um, the next largest consumer of LPG is in the petrochemical sector. Uh, and PetCam really has two branches to it. One are the classic steam crackers, and uh, the steam crackers are able to substitute a portion of their feedstock slate, uh, which is typically predominantly or exclusively naphtha, uh, for a portion, depending on the technology, 10 to 15% of their feedstock slate can be swapped uh, for LPG. They do that when LPG is cheap relative to naphtha. Naphtha is an oil derivative, so it's obviously very closely tied to the price of uh, of oil. The other piece of LPG pet chem demand comes from PDH plants. And PDH is uh, the acronym for propane dehydrogenation, which is a direct on-purpose way of turning propane into propylene, which is one of the key building blocks in the plastics value chain. Um, we've seen significant growth in these facilities in uh, China over the years. Uh, as China uh, strives to be polypropylene independent from the world over the next five to 10 years. Um, that's obviously been great for our business, but it's not just China. Um, other parts of the world, Turkey, Korea, even in the US, which of course isn't great for our business, uh, have also invested in PDH. PDH is an old technology that really became profitable uh, once the U.S. became a significant exporter um, of, of LPG in the world market. Um, to, to, to put that in context, just for a, just for a second, uh, and, and by the way, the uh, pet chem accounts for about 25 to 30% of world demand. Um, you know, the other, the other segments are a mix of, uh, of, of, of various applications that we won't delve into, but I would like to come back and talk about the growth of LPG and the significance of the United States becoming a, a, a world exporter. So in 2013, the United States exported about four and a half million metric tons of LPG and imported about the same amount. Um, you know, for the coming year, we expect the United States to export somewhere between 55 and 60 million metric tons of, of LPG. Um, so obviously we've seen significant growth in the last 10 years, and that's really driven the growth of the VLGC sector 
uh, around the world. But more importantly, um, if you look at how um, the, the, the two main export basins stack up with each other, um, the Middle Eastern price, and the Middle East was obviously historically the main exporter, uh, it's, it, it, the price there is set by, um, by the Saudis. Um, it's the Saudi contract price they posted monthly, and uh, they have a certain number of acceptances, whereas the U.S. price is, uh, is set daily by traders in the market. And historically, the, uh, the, the Saudi CP has been um, consistently several hundred dollars a metric ton more expensive than the comparable U.S. price. The product's the same, uh, no difference in chemical, or virtually no difference in chemical composition. Um, but obviously, if you can buy a cheaper product, you're going to buy it in the United States. Um, that's obviously going to be quite, quite um, that's going to be your goal. Uh, as a consumer, you're going to get the, the best price you possibly can. Um, and what we've seen is significant growth then uh, of U.S. cargoes. Also in 2017, the uh, the Panama Canal opened its new locks, which then allowed for the transit of VLGCs, um, which was which shortened transit times from the U.S. Gulf uh, from uh, to, to Asia from 40 to 50 days to about 25 days uh, one way. So uh, that's been quite significant. John will touch on what we've all read about in the press about the drought and the reduction in transits. Um, also, as we're all aware, there is activity in the Red Sea, which is forcing more vessels to consider going the wrong, the long way around the Cape of Good Hope. All of that combines to uh, create fleet length, and John will discuss that a bit long, a, a bit more. Turning back to some of the fundamentals, uh, one of the big drivers that we've seen over time has been obviously not only the growth in U.S. production, but the growth in U.S. inventories. Um, U.S. consumption of LPG is structurally flat or in decline. Um, uh, most folks in the U.S. are aware that natural gas has taken market share um, all over the place for many different applications, uh, particularly in residential and commercial. Um, as new housing developments come up, folks are either being supplied directly or indirectly with their energy needs through uh, LNG, which, of course, is um, like LPG, an environmentally cleaner alternative than, than, uh, than oil, diesel, and those derivatives. Um, those high inventory levels mean that the export market is the way for uh, inventories to clear, and that's done a nice job of maintaining that price differential that I touched on earlier between the Saudi posted price and the, uh, the market price here in the U.S. Um, so here we give you some additional statistics seeing how the natural, the associated gas production has really driven uh, the increase in uh, uh, production here in the United States, and hence inventories and hence uh, export volumes. Um, that brings me to sort of the core of our business and what drives it. We live and die by two arbitrages. One is the East-West ARB, and the other is the LPG NAPFA ARB. So what we show you here in, uh, on, the, on, the, on the top um, uh, is the, uh, the, the um, comparison of the, the prices between the uh, Far, East Inter Far East Index price, which is the price in, uh, in the landed price in Asia, and the CP price shows the, uh, the, 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 sorry, the MB price is the Mount Bellevue price in the US. And you can see that's a very healthy arbitrage. So essentially, between uh, those propane differentials, that offers plenty of room for 
freight and we and uh, the freight you know quartered in dollars per metric ton uh, you can see that uh, the, the profit margin there is is forecast to be on the top the top bar uh, in excess of uh, you know between an excess of 250 dollars a metric ton for most of the time um, that corresponds to pretty healthy freight rates uh, in our business and uh, you know many much of which you've seen in our published financial results uh, over the last uh, year 18 months. And again, that's driven fundamentally by cheap U.S. Uh, LPG, which is a function of oil and gas demand, which uh, does continue to grow, as, uh, as many of us are aware. The other main driver, uh, which has not uh, been in our favor as much recently, has been the LPG NAFTA spread. So you can see that, um, whoops, um, you can see here on the, um, uh, on the chart that, um, we, uh, we, you know, in 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 twenty three, uh, we we've enjoyed some, uh, we've enjoyed uh, you know a decent spread, uh, but we need to see it usually a bit stronger. But right now, um, if you uh, if, if you look at the current market, um, what we're seeing is that uh, LPG is not preferred to naphtha right now. So there's been a little bit of a slowdown in China, but again, that's only from the crackers, uh, from the steam crackers, and again. Uh, that's only a portion of the overall demand. So uh, as we look as as we look out, uh, we expect to we expect China to be uh, strong this year. We don't expect as much growth, perhaps as we saw this year, uh, but we still expect to see growth. Uh, there's a need to uh, fill up those PDH plants, and uh, depending on what happens with oil, we can see some additional demand uh, from the traditional steam crackers if LPG becomes the preferred feedstock. Uh, compared to, to NAPFA. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to John, who's going to delve further into uh, some of the uh, uh, parts of our trade. Thank you. Do you want me to do it? Yeah. Um, thank you, Dad. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, there has been a big development in, uh, in the end of October when uh, Panama Canal uh, administration uh, realized that the uh, level uh, of uh, the water levels in the Panama Canal lakes were uh, significantly lower due to very low rainfall. Um, and they produced this a, a, a kind of decreasing kind of uh, stage of ship transits where uh, a, a reduction of ships transiting was kind of laid out over the months of November, December, January, and February, reducing uh, from 35 uh, typically transits down to 18 in February of 2024. So that caused a huge uh, backup uh, for cargoes. Uh, there was uh, a bidding uh, process where uh, people would have to bid for those uh, uh, transit slots, uh, uh, if they did not have already been able to book something in advance. Uh, bookings for LPG ships are usually allowed about seven days out, not not earlier than that. So it, there was uh, a, a big rush into uh, those uh, transit slots. Um, rates went sky high uh, for the bids to go through, for those cargoes that needed to go through. 
but it also caused a lot of other people to rethink the uh, need to go through the Panama Canal. And they started thinking of alternative routes to go to the Far East, which typically is where most of these cargoes go. So we had uh, um, many people deciding to go through the Suez Canal uh, and also some of them through the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, the difference between the one and the other is not significant between uh, Suez Canal and Cape of Good Hope is about three to three and a half days uh, more by going via the Cape of Good Hope rather than the Suez Canal. But it also means that you have to pay the uh, Suez Canal tolls for going through the Panama, the Suez Canal. So that kind of balances out the extra three, four days that you're gonna have to go through the uh, Cape of Good Hope. So these, these charts show you how uh, the, uh, uh, we have seen an increase. Uh, first of all, on the right-hand side, when the ships are loaded, we have seen an increase of ships um, going uh, via uh, uh, the Cape of Good Hope and, and Suez. Uh, and then on the other hand, the ballast one, we have seen an even higher increase of ships going, uh, going uh, via uh, those routes to, uh, uh, to avoid paying the high tolls uh, of Panama Canal uh, and the, the, the cost of a, a, a bidding through for a transit unless it was uh, uh, necessary. Yes. And, and, and John, give us an indication of uh, where, where canal fees got to, what was the high point and where are they now? The high point, yeah, the high point in November, thank you, Ted. Yeah, the high point of that was almost $2.8 million per transit for a ship in uh, November. Compared to what we uh, used to pay was? Compared to paying uh, really, 400, 500. Yeah, 400 and 500 is the cost of a typical transit, $500,000 per transit per ship. And then they had to pay over and above that $2.8 million to get that transit slot a few days hence. Uh, now, uh, uh, the next month, it kind of went down to about a million a million and a half it were range in December I'm talking about. And now in January, we're seeing uh, as a result of ships having amended their, their sailing plans and voyages, uh, we have seen those kind of bids lowering down to the low hundreds of thousands rather than millions of dollars. But still you have to pay half a million dollars for the transit plus 200, 300, depending on where the bid goes, and if there is a lot of competition for that particular transit day. Uh, so it, it, it is an interesting uh, dynamic that has caused um, a lot of ships to go through the Cape of Good Hope. Um, and now we have seen, of course, Suez, uh, Suez Canal being uh, not a preferable route. I'm sure you have all read it in, 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 the, in the newspapers and the news, uh, there's continuous attacks. Uh, they they do mention that the attacks are are, are related to um, uh, Israeli related cargoes. Uh, however, we 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 have seen attacks on 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 many container ships which carry cargoes for everybody for the whole world. Uh, and uh, um, and it, it is not a preferable route for most of the people, especially if you're going in ballast. In uh, uh, Leiden, it is subject to the charter's uh, the decisions. Uh, armed guards have to be on board. 
we have to abide by the rules of the uh, uh, of the force that uh, controls the U.S.-led uh, protection force that has been uh, organized, and uh, we try to go through nighttime to avoid any uh, problems from uh, drones attacks, etc., and, and, and also vessel attacks. And also, the the distances are quite significant, right? We're talking about. 40 plus days to go from Asia around the Cape of Good Hope to the U.S. versus 25 days if you can get through the canal. So that's created quite some fleet line. That, that, that's correct. Correct, And that is causing a lot of uh, fleet shortage because uh, uh, there's just not enough ships to service correct. Uh, the the uh, the exports for the United States, yeah. which are is the next thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and now uh, what we we can see is that the United States has been increasing uh, their um, uh, share of the exports. Uh, they have been increasing their uh, the market share, and uh, uh, we 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 have seen that in 2023 uh, we hit another record of uh, exports, um, and you could see it with those bars um, share uh, comparing 21, 22, and 23. Uh, those uh, those numbers indicate the amount of uh, experts. Uh, it is really uh, uh, quite important to to, to understand uh, why the United States has so much uh, expert capacity because um, it, it is produced as as a byproduct, as Ted said, of natural gas and also crude oil exploration, um, and so. Uh, and also the export terminal capacity is being uh, continuously improved and increased. Um, we expect more capacity to come online next uh, year, this coming, this year, actually 2024. And uh, that will, uh, uh, will allow um, uh, inventories to, to stay high and exports to, to maintain, to be maintained, to go uh, to, uh, out of the United States. He, he, here we have uh, the, the Middle East exports. Middle East has been steady. Uh, we have been, uh, uh, um, it, it, it's really, it, it's a reflection of the, you know, um, the, uh, the, the cutbacks that uh, we have seen in, uh, in uh, ex export, exports from, from the, uh, and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we have somebody blowing outside and they make making a lot of noise. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, we we uh, we we have seen that these have been steady, and uh, we expect that they're not going to increase any 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 further for the first few months of this year. Uh, it's really mainly to to the cutbacks. Uh, that does not mean that uh, Iranian exports are not uh, significant, uh, and that you know um, they they will probably maintain their exports as they don't usually abide with those cutbacks as much as um, the uh, the Saudis and the Qataris and the um, uh, United Arab Emirates. However, we we will see a, a, a good supply. Uh, from those from those countries um, in in you know in the next few months, yeah. Thank you. 
China um, uh, so it's just one of the countries that we highlight here but, China, it's, large, but it's largest it, it, it is it is one of the largest countries uh, that uh, imports LPG and uh, um, they they have been uh, a steady uh, um, uh, demand uh, because of their PDH um, plants, which uh, continue to be uh, um, to be built, we had a number of plants uh, built uh, in the past year in 2023. There were about seven plants that came online, and we expect more plants to come on on online in 2024. So we expect that the demand in China is going to be maintained. Uh, uh, there is more, uh, uh, even though polypropylene as, as, as a byproduct, as a product of, of PDH plants is uh, becoming uh, cheaper and there's a, a, quite an abundance of it. Um, we still see that there are more plants coming online, finding new uh, ways of uh, 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 selling that uh, that uh, polypropylene, um, so we we do not see any uh, cutback on 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 the demand from uh, from China, and it is uh, it, it is uh, as as Ted said one of the largest uh, consumers of LPG after uh, after India. Um, uh, India is, is India's number two, but yeah, number two, and then it is um, Japan, um, number three. Um, these are the the mainstay, and they take those three countries take probably more than fifty percent of the world production of uh, of LPG. So we could go to the next. I, I did it. Sorry, I moved Thank a second you. early. <laughs> yeah, uh, here's India. This is the second country, as we as I mentioned. Um, their demand has also been um, um, mainly um, um, household related. It, it has to do with the government uh, subsidy scheme. They have managed to um, uh, help a lot of households get LPG uh, in, 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 instead of uh, using uh, other other fuels like kerosene. And uh, it, it, it is. The, the residential increase has been significant in India, and you know you could see it from those bars, uh, uh, from the demand that uh, uh, we we see from India on uh, uh, on LPG. Um, so we 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 expect that uh, it, it will continue. It, it will uh, widen uh, because they will also increase their industrial demand for LPG. Um, for 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 other products, so we we don't see any uh, reduction in in uh, in LPG demand from this from this country. Thank you. Thank you. So um, thank you, John. Uh, so you know, sort of turning to um, you know that the the highlights because uh, we we thought we'd allow uh, some time for questions. Turn to some of the highlights again. We're we're excited about what's going on in our business because it is fundamentally. Uh, well, all the fundamentals are lined up for us uh, really well right now. U.S. production continues to uh, perform, uh, you know, in spite of cutbacks that we've seen in the Middle East. Obviously, the U.S. has uh, continued to grow, and it's probably worth noting that uh, U.S. Uh, oil and gas is, is is just much gassier than what they have in the Middle East. So each barrel produces 
uh, sort of two to two and a half times as much um, natural gas liquids uh, in the U.S. as it does in, say, the Middle East. Uh, that continues to support the east-west arbitrage, which uh, drives uh, freight rates. Uh, as John touched on, you know, the uh, drought in the Panama Canal, the um, problems in the Red Sea um, have, driven, have, have really increased on miles by forcing people to in, in a different trade routes. And so the result is as ship owners as a sector, um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing less crowding in certain basins um, because, uh, you know, there just, there just simply isn't uh, en enough ships to uh, be in all the basins uh, with the same time limits that they were. That gives us a bit more pricing power in this environment. Again, from a fundamental perspective, we still see strong pull through demand in China and India. China, as John touched on, is largely driven by uh, pet chem demand, but also supported by um, uh, residential commercial demand. India is 80 plus percent uh, driven by residential commercial demand. Uh, again, John, I think touched on the fact that uh, the Modi government continues to subsidize uh, canister purchases. Uh, it's an income-linked subsidy, and so we've seen continued growth in the number of households reached, and we expect to see that continue going forward, particu particularly in this election year in India. Um, all that sums up to a highly attractive freight environment. Um, you know, as we've as uh, as, as uh, followers of the stock have seen, um, you know, rates right now are um, well over a hundred thousand dollars a day, uh, and that's obviously an attractive environment. It costs our company about $25,000 per day to run our ships. Uh, that's all cash. That's uh, operating expense, GNA, interest, and principal. So as you can appreciate, that allows us to generate some pretty healthy uh, free cash flow to shareholders. So, you know, turning to uh, the investment highlights, again, we think we have uh, a great fleet. Um, yes, it's a great, it's a great environment. Uh, but again, when uh, fuel efficiency matters, so as uh, we talked about, we have scrubbers. That saves us some money on, on fuel. Uh, we have uh, dual fuel LPG carriers. So when LPG is cheaper than uh, conventional diesel, we're, we're able to burn that. Um, we have a great commercial presence. Uh, we're one of the largest operators. We're present virtually globally uh, through our partners in Singapore. And, uh, you know, again, we, we really feel that we're at the center of, uh, of what goes on in the market and are important participants in the market. Um, finally, from a shareholder perspective, um, we're very proud of what we've done in terms of capital allocation over time. Uh, you know, we have uh, maintained very low leverage. Um, we, uh, we have very attractively priced debt. Currently, our, our all-in cost of debt is around 4.6%. Uh, we just completed an amendment uh, that we announced over the holiday break that uh, provided for increased uh, availability under our revolving credit facility, as well as a standby, quote unquote, accordion facility for $100 million, which gives us obviously additional uh, potential firepower if we find opportunities. Um, but I think first and foremost, from a shareholder uh, perspective, uh, the through this rate environment, because we've maintained a healthy balance sheet, we've been able to return a significant amount of money uh, to our shareholders, predominantly through dividends, but also through stock buybacks, both a uh, self-tender offer that we did for $113 million in February of 21, as well as open market repurchases. But the centerpiece 
uh, of our of our capital return program has really been uh, the the uh, the dividends, which have been some uh, in excess of four hundred million dollars, four hundred fifty million dollars that we've paid out over time. And uh, obviously, it shows that our board is committed to shareholder returns. Uh, it's committed to uh, returning cash when 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 uh, the market allows it. And uh, obviously, it's been a significant portion of the driver of our total shareholder return, which is really what this management team and our board uh, remain focused on over the long term. So uh, with that, we're going to conclude our formal remarks, and we're going to look at the, the Q&A. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, I'll do the, I'll, I'll, uh, we have a question here. Can we expect dividends to be adjusted as a function of higher cash flows and positive outlook? Um, uh, and and uh, another question in similar vein is, do we expect to maintain our current dividend payments? Um, it's probably a good opportunity for me to remind everyone that we have an irregular dividend policy. We've been very clear about that from the beginning. Um, we think VLGC rates are irregular and uh, therefore our dividend policy must also follow those. Um, you know, we, uh, we will continue to evaluate with our board as we do every quarter, and ultimately it's our board's decision. Um, we evaluate every quarter what the outlook is, um, what our bookings look like, and uh, the board then reaches a, a conclusion as to what to pay out, if anything, uh, but obviously in the current environment, the board has felt very comfortable continuing to pay a dollar share in dividends. What that means for this quarter and the future, we really can't say, but uh, be assured that our board uh, takes it takes its commitment to shareholder value creation extremely seriously and is constantly balancing uh, risk and opportunity um, and, and, and dividends, of course, in, in, uh, in making that decision uh, every month. Uh, or every quarter, rather, sorry. Um, John, you want to talk about uh, the Cape of Good Hope at all? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I see there's a, a question about the weather and the Cape of Good Hope and if it affects the transits. Uh, uh, sure, there is uh, weather-related uh, 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 issues. Uh, and sometimes they do affect it, but it's just like going on the North Atlantic the North Atlantic also faces similar kind of weather issues and also the North Pacific. Uh, so it, it is um, uh, something to consider. However, don't forget, if you're asking it uh, as a current question, uh, Cape of Good Hope now is in summertime mode. <laughs> so we are in wintertime mode, they are in summertime. So the weather is a little bit milder and better. Uh, during the uh, uh, during the winter months in in the north hemisphere, so they would be seeing better weather for most of the ships in the in the southern hemisphere. Uh, I, having said all that, though, I understand that the big picture, and yes, there are weather issues every day with the ships, and we manage to uh, we manage them according to weather situations, and we guide masters how to navigate with the weather uh, situation ahead of them and always um, um, uh, discuss uh, how they can best avoid uh, terrible weather conditions in front of them. So it is always a consideration wherever we go. Yeah, and I think um, maybe picking up on that and some other questions, 
Um, you know, one of the drivers, uh, as John talked about, is is you know charter desires. Um, you know, when the, when the ship is laden, and and we obviously make the decision as owners what to do when the when the ship's empty, when it's ballasting. Um, but one of the considerations is insurance. Um, we continue to have very good insurance availability uh, for what's called additional war risk insurance. Uh, you know, we um, we've seen modest increases, but um, modest increases means 15 basis points on uh, the whole values, which are in excess of $100 million, uh, that may be 30 basis points. So, yes, it's, a, it's an increase, but it still is a proportion of the total voyage cost, not a huge number. And, and uh, usually there's an arrangement uh, with, our, with charters as to uh, who pays or how much of that cost is, is, is shared between the parties. So, um, again, we haven't seen it. Uh, have a significant impact on uh, 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 the availability of insurance have an impact on uh, on, on transits or on on choosing routes. Uh, similarly, we 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 you know to, to give sort of a broader overview of you know what proportion of ships are using the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, it's it's really hard to say that it's very dynamic as as people can probably appreciate. But suffice it to say that we are seeing generally amongst ourselves and our peers. Um, much greater use of the Cape of Good Hope when I'd say it was much, much, much more infrequent in the past. Uh, so uh, again, it 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 does allow um, those uh, it, it does allow those in the industry to be mindful of when they see cargoes coming and to sort of time their arrival into the uh, into the Houston uh, ship channel or 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 the or Marcus Hook potentially on the East Coast. Um, but again, it's something that we continue to see um, uh, as a, as a trend. Um, well, the, the, there is a recent report that says that uh, a, a, at least 43 vessels are, are currently considered to be uh, uh, going via the Cape of Good Hope back to the U United States, to back to Houston. Okay, that's so this a is global a global fleet of 370 ships. This is an Ar Argus uh, report uh, that came out yesterday. Yeah. So just, a, just a guidance. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, and so I think there, uh, um, you know, I think over, over the longer term, um, you know, we we're mindful of it being important for our customers to make money as well as us. Um, you know, we I, we we don't see in the near term um, this lack of fleet availability creating any sort of tension. Um, in the uh, you know in, in in terms of making US LPG less competitive, uh, there's such a significant price delta between uh, the US and uh, in the Middle East uh, that uh, it would really take a, a much different set of trade dynamics to to affect that um, uh, from our perspective. So um, you know we um, you know we from our perspective, it's obviously something to uh, to keep in mind, but it's not something that we see as a near-term near-term issue. Again, um, you know, U.S. You, you know, gas gas prices two and a half to you know maybe three dollars a million BTU. That's not so expensive. Oil in the seventies. That's not so crazy. That's tend to have been a bit of a sweet spot. So again, we will continue to watch what happens with geopolitical tensions and of course weather in Panama to see how it drives freight. But um, we uh, we're, we're mindful of. Uh, of balancing um, all those things, but in the near term, we don't necessarily see that as a as a near term threat to VLGC's rate rates. 
Um, we've uh, we, we've been asked to comment about the rumors that we placed an order for a VLGC with ammonia capability uh, at Hanwha. Um, we'll discuss that more on earnings call, but uh, yeah, we, we we did indeed do that, um, and uh, we're excited about it. We think it shows that uh, you know we're 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 looking ahead. Um, uh, you know, we do see uh, ammonia is a big part of the future, but we're also very fundamentally happy with uh, how the VLGC trade continues to develop. Um, uh, plans to increase the order where we won't comment on at this point. Um, let's see here. Uh, so just a question about uh, the export capacity from the United States. Uh, as we mentioned, there's going to be more export capacity coming in uh, in this uh, 2024 from uh, enterprise and energy transfer um, in their terminals. And that's going to give uh, more of a ceiling, more of a ability to export more cargoes out of the United States. It's something that uh, has been steadily increasing. We have been seeing um, uh, 95 cargoes going out of the United States every month, which is a, a significant increase over the years. Uh, uh, so. It's just, uh, I think we, we in, in March, we hit over 100 ships to get uh, out, out of the United States uh, loaded with, with cargo. So that shows the strength of the U.S. market and the, uh, and, and the strength of the expert ability of the United States with the terminals continuously being improving their, um, uh, their throughput of, of ships. Um, one more thing that we have not talked about is... Um, uh, emissions, reduction of emissions, improvements, uh, which is something that we focus quite significantly uh, in reducing our emissions by doing uh, technically improving the vessels by adding energy saving devices uh, that uh, improve their performance with less power needed by the engine. And secondly, with operational uh, performance uh, improvements where we adjust the, the speed of the ships um, to, uh, um, to to, to the, the, the best, the optimum speed to arrive in time, uh, not to, uh, um, you know, kind of overconsume when uh, there is uh, weather-related issues, and then how to speed up and take advantage of, of weather conditions when that is possible. So all these have... Uh, been helping us uh, improve these vessels' performances uh, by over uh, 15%. Uh, this is significant, I know, uh, but the energy-saving devices can save 7 to 10%, and then uh, operational performance can improve 5 to 7%. So we do have a really good number to, uh, to, to, to uh, kind of see for 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 um, uh, improvement in emissions by reducing our our, our consumption so this is a very uh, significant uh, thing and also we are looking and into um uh, biofuels uh, of course lpg is considered a transition fuel uh, um, as good or, or better than lng 
And I think it is important to understand that uh, these fuels, these gas fuels, as they're called, LPG and LNG, are uh, uh, an improvement because they have less carbon uh, emissions and are more efficient than uh, regular fuels. Uh, so in, in a way, um, we are going to be seeing more and more ships having dual fuel engines and um, looking into not only LPG and LNG, but as you have seen, methanol and ammonia engines when the ammonia engines come sometime in 26 or 27. Thanks, John. And uh, with that, we're at uh, the limit of our time. We appreciate everyone's time and interest. Thank you also to uh, Capital Link uh, for, uh, for sponsoring this. We appreciate the support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, uh, John and Ted, for joining us. Uh, it's been a very interesting presentation. We had a lot of questions. A number of them still remain uh, to be replied, indicative of the interest in Dorian and the sector. So I would like to thank also everybody for joining. It has been a very well attended uh, presentation. And uh, please note that this webinar will soon be available uh, for access upon demand on Capital Link's website at www.capitallinkwebinars.com and also on Capital Link's YouTube channel. So thank you very, very much. Thank you.